0: Sermons from Union Chapel Baptist Church The title of today's sermon is Baptized into Christ Dead to sin, alive to obey We'll look at two main passages Romans 6, 3-13 And then Matthew 28, verse 19 So baptized into Christ, dead to sin, alive to obey. Baptism, if you could sum it up in one phrase, I would sum it up with the phrase union with Jesus. Union with Jesus. And when you are united to Jesus, we'll be looking at what that means and how are you united to Jesus when you enter into that unity with Jesus. We're going to look at four main things today. The union with Jesus symbolized in baptism. Number one, will symbolize our death to sin. And then we will look at, for the majority of our time today, we'll look at how, once we are dead to sin, point number two, we will look at how we are made alive to obey. And then we will discuss two other uh, facts about baptism, two other things about baptism. Point number three, baptism in the name. What does it mean to be baptized in the name of someone? And then lastly, we will look at point number four, just a clarification to make sure we are crystal clear that baptism does not save you. So as we open up on our discussion about baptism today, I came across a story from another pastor. And he, he tells the story of how a missionary served in Africa And she happened upon a small baptismal service. And they were baptizing three new believers in Jesus. But they had just a shallow river. And actually had to dig out dirt to make it deep enough for them to go into the river to baptize them. And as the missionary saw what was going on, it was the normal, typical baptismal service. Where the the pastor, the preacher would explain what baptism is what the believers, are they're believing in Jesus, they repented of their sins, and they would quote Scripture, and uh, then they would proceed to baptize them. But one thing she pointed out that was different about this service was when they came up out of the water, they were the most joyful people that she's ever seen. They were shouting with joy when they came out of the water. And she's like, that's, you know, that's great. They're really you know, embracing the, the meaning of baptism, that they've been saved, and they're rejoicing in their salvation. And she asked the preacher afterwards, she goes, well, you know, what's, what causes this difference in them? And he says, well, actually, I talked to them afterwards you know, and was going through their heads as they were coming up out of the water. And the pastor says, well, to be honest, uh, I hadn't been able to completely communicate uh, in the tribe's language. And so when I gave them the Scripture and tried to teach them about baptism, they didn't understand the symbolic nature of it. So when he told them that they would be buried with Jesus through baptism into death, they actually thought they were going to die in the water. And so when they came up out of the water, they were really happy that they were still alive. And we laugh at that, and the missionaries laughed. At that, but the, the preacher said, "Well, let me ask you a question though. If you thought baptism would kill you, would you go into the river?" O, right? That tests your faith. While we will see today how baptism is a picture, a symbol of our unity with Christ in his death and resurrection, these people showed just how they trusted in their God, how much they trusted in Him. They trusted him unto death. For they believed that God's promise that they would be raised just as Jesus was raised. May our faith be like these brothers and sisters. And may we trust in Jesus and die to our old self. Die to our sin and be raised to life to live in obedience by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at our first point today, looking at how our union with Jesus unites us in His death. And what that means for us. Paul paints this picture and explains this picture of baptism in Romans 6.3. Romans 6.3
1: says, Do you not
0: know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? So, in other words, what Paul is saying here is that your union, your relationship with Jesus is so close that Paul can say that our baptism when we go down into the water, it's like we went down into the grave with Jesus. So, somewhat paradoxically, we must first die in order to live. Our sins must be accounted for. Our sins must be punished before we are free to live in obedience. And the good news is that that is what happens when Jesus dies. Our sins are accounted for, our sins are punished, on our behalf through Jesus' death. He took our place. He took the punishment that we deserve by dying. And because of our union with Christ, Jesus takes on our sin. He pays our spiritual sin debt that we owe.
1: But also in doing so, He frees us
0: from the power of sin over our lives. Paul goes on to explain this in verse 6. He says, We know that our old self, was crucified with Him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Many people today and throughout history think of following Jesus as a restriction, as something that takes away your freedom if you choose to follow Jesus. And they see his commands as taking away their freedom. But what many people call freedom, Jesus actually calls slavery to sin. Jesus frees us from sin. He defeated it for us on our behalf on the cross. As a believer in Jesus, we are to live out the reality of, of what we already are. Jesus has freed us from the power of sin and given us the power to live obediently. Now, we still battle our sinful desires. But our union with Christ in his death, sin is no longer characteristic of our lives. Sin is not on the throne of our lives any longer. Instead, Christ is on the throne of our hearts. And it is by his decrees, by his commands, we are to live. And Paul goes on to explain this once and for all time death in verse 10. It says, for the death he died, that is Jesus, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So Jesus' death on the cross was the final defeat of sin. As one commentator writes, his death once was sufficient to deal fully and for all time with the problem of human sin. The question for us is do we believe that? Do we trust that Christ's death is sufficient, that it is is enough, that it is all we need to be free from the punishment and the power of sin? Because it is our tendency to, to hold on to guilt, hold on to shame, we even try to maybe even punish ourselves for our sins. But doing that does not take into account that Christ did it once and for all.
1: Realizing
0: that Jesus took all your sins, he died once and for all, all of them, which gives us freedom, which we, we, we freedom in Christ. So find this freedom in Christ today. Find freedom from your guilt. Find freedom from shame, from your disobedience, And that is when we begin to truly live. That is when we are truly free. And life for the glory and the honor and the praise of God is a life worth living. And our union with Christ does not stop with his death. But we are also united with him in his resurrection. He didn't stay dead. Thus we are dead to sin. And this is our second point we move into now. We are alive to obey. Romans 6.4, Paul says, We were very therefore with him by baptism into death. What's the purpose? In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So when God saves us, he doesn't leave us where we are. He takes us on new paths. The path of life, as one commentator writes, We are to live in a certain way as a result of dying and being buried with Christ. We don't live in a certain way to earn God's forgiveness. But because we have been forgiven in Christ, we should live a certain way. We should live the way of the new life, walking in newness of life. And this is what the Christian life is all about. It is about finding our identity who we are in Jesus, being united to Him, being devoted to Him, having total faith and trust in Him, we are to leave behind our sins and turn to God. And by His grace and His mercy, through Jesus' death on the cross for our sins and His resurrection from the dead, He welcomes us into His family. God the Father adopts us as His children God unites us with Jesus. Being united to Jesus, we die to our old self, we die to our sins, we die to our rebellion against God, and since we are united with him, we don't stay dead. But we rise with him. When he rises from the grave, we too rise from the grave. Because of his life, we are given a new life. We are given a new heart that beats in sync with our creator, We are a new creation. We are filled and empowered by God himself. For we are filled with the Holy Spirit, which works in us to make us like him, to make us holy, to make us look more and more like our Heavenly Father every day. And yes, again, we are not perfect. Christians are not perfect. We still turn away from the one who has saved us, the one who loves us. But here's the good news of Christianity, that God never leaves us, that he never forsakes us. He is always there. We can always turn back to him. Nevertheless, if you are filled with the Spirit, if you have been united with Jesus, if you have trusted in him as your God, Savior, and King, he not only saves you from the punishment of sin, but saves you from the power of sin. And therefore, if you are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, your life will have an upward trend of holiness, an upward trend of holiness. What I mean by that is it will take time, but over the years, you will notice that you are not who you used to be. Indeed, trusting in Jesus changes who you are. You are no longer an enemy of God, but his beloved child. Because by faith you are united to Jesus. Because he has saved us and changed us, this is why we are baptized. To show and demonstrate that picture of going into the waters, dying to our old self, dying to our sin, dying to our rebellion. United to Christ in his death, and we are also united in his resurrection. When we come out of the waters into new life, a life marked characteristic of obedience, faith to our God, Savior, and King. Paul goes on to explain our union with Christ in in his resurrection in verse 8. He says, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion or has power over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. So Paul has laid out our union with Jesus. It is a symbol and picture in our baptism. And in verse 11, he basically says, after explaining all this, who Jesus is, what he has done... He wants us to consider something. He says, add the numbers up. He wants us to do the math, so to speak. As one commentator writes, he says, add it up. See what it comes to. The Messiah has died once for all and has been raised. And in the Messiah, therefore you too have died once for all and have been raised. He wants us to consider this. Take this into account. Do you see it? Are your eyes and heart open to this truth? Because if you do believe this, your whole life will change. Because of our union with Christ, we no longer have to live in sin. Instead, we can live a life honoring to God. Thus, baptism pictures our union with Jesus that saves us from the punishment of sin, also saves us from the power of sin. And because of this reality, because this is what is true, Paul then urges us to live out what we already are, what God has made us to be. Romans 6:12 says, "Let us not sin, therefore; let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought." From death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So, in what way can we be righteous? What way can we live as righteous people? To live in a way that shows the world, that shows in people that we know that we have been changed. One way for us not to let sin reign any longer over us is by realizing and acting out in faith that our union with Christ also should bring us in union with each other. So this is one way we can live out our faith is being united with fellow (coughs) believers. So Christianity is not a solo religion. But once you are saved, you are saved into a family. You are saved into the family of God. Baptism depicts our unity with all believers. No matter what language or where they're from or how much money they make, we are all united in Jesus. We are all unified. We are one family. We are one body. Everyone is in need of salvation. And all those who repent and believe in Jesus are united in Christ, which is pictured in baptism. Paul urges us towards this unity among each other because we are already united in Christ and united in one baptism. Paul goes into this in Ephesians 4.3. Ephesians 4.3, he says, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as he recalls to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So we need not, We ought not be divided in the church. For those in the church, those who believe in Jesus as their God, as their Savior, as their King, we all believe and serve the same God in this way. We share the same faith. We share the same baptism. Therefore, let us forsake all anger and hate. Let us forgive one another. Let us love one another because of our unity in Jesus. If you see your fellow person, your fellow pe- people in the church, as a believer in Jesus, they are one with you in Jesus. They are, we, you should be united. And this unity should be pictured in our, in our baptism. This is what our baptism depicts. And this is what baptism is all about. And in many ways, baptism, we'll now look at how baptism is the first act of obedience once you become a Christian. Once you repent of your sins and you turn to obey God's commands, turn to obey your King, He commands us to be baptized, showing that you trust in Him and you have faith in Him to obey. We're continuing. How do we obey Jesus? How do we live out this new life? One of the first ways you can do that, by living out how He has saved you, you can follow His command in baptism. We see this in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Matthew 28, 19. Jesus says to his disciples, gives them this last command. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
1: Thus, we should take
0: baptism seriously. Jesus commands his disciples to be baptized. Every disciple of Jesus is to be baptized. It's not just for certain people in the church. Baptism is not just for the pastors or for the deacons. It is not for the perfect Christian. As we've already said, there is no perfect Christian. Part of being a Christian is realizing that you are not perfect, that you need someone who is perfect. You need Jesus. And instead, instead of thinking that we are perfect, the first step of being a Christian, the first step towards God is a step away from our sin, actually realizing that we do have sin, that we have messed up, that we have rebelled against our Creator, confessing that, showing genuine sorrow over our sin. In this turning away from your sin, the Bible calls repentance. You repent from your sin, you turn away from it, you turn to God. Peter preaches a similar message in Acts 2. Peter preaches a sermon in which he depicts how Jesus died, he rose again, how Jesus is the promised Messiah, the promised Christ of the Old Testament, The promised king to come to save his people. And after he preaches his sermon, this is how the people respond. Acts 2.37 They said, When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins,
1: and you will receive
0: the gift of the Holy Spirit. May God pierce our hearts today. May we turn away from our sin. Unite ourselves to Christ. Place your life in His hands. It is a call for total submission to Jesus. For that is why Peter says, repent and be baptized. Because being baptized in the name of Jesus is showing that you, have, you are all in. That you have faith in Him. That you submit to Him. And that's what what baptism is a picture of. And that's why Peter says repent. Turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. Follow Him in obedience by being baptized. And if you are in Christ, then your sins are forgiven. As we've said, if you're in Jesus, you died with Him. You died to sin. He died for your sin. And we've, we've already said how you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit once you are united With Jesus and his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, empowers us, empowers us to obey. And looking back at 2819, you know, the word baptize can simply mean to wash or to dip or immerse. But here, this is not the way Jesus is using the term. Baptism, that Jesus commands, is not just an external cleansing. It's not just a dipping into the water. The baptism Jesus commands has great symbolic and spiritual significance. As we have already seen, Paul explained how baptism is a symbol of our union with Jesus. And we can see the great significance of baptism in Matthew twenty eight, nineteen as well. First of all, we see how it's, it's significant here in this passage because Jesus' command to be baptized is for those who are Jesus' disciples. And to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a follower of him. And followers of Jesus do not merely imitate their master. He is not merely a good moral example. He is far more than that. But Jesus' disciples are to trust in him. Trust in Jesus as their God, as their Savior, as the King of their life. We've been going through the book of Matthew since I have started here. And we've seen time and time again how Jesus is being presented, how Jesus is our God, Savior, and King. From the very beginning of the book of Matthew, we see how Jesus is called Jesus the Christ. Christ is an Old Testament term for anointed one, Messiah, the King to come. He is the son of David. He's the promised king of the Old Testament. And this king brings commands, but he also brings salvation and the power to obey his commands. And verse 21 in Matthew 1, Matthew 1.21 says how Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And lastly, Jesus is God himself in Matthew 1.23 because Jesus is Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus became fully man. He's, he's fully God. and He is God with us. God in human form. Therefore, to be a disciple of Jesus is to trust in Jesus as God, Savior, and King. That is who Jesus is, and that is who we are united to in faith. So thus far, we have really focused on how baptism symbolizes our union with Jesus, specifically his death and resurrection, which saves us from the punishment of sin and sin's power, and also enables us to live obedient lives. Now I want to look at two other significant things about baptism. First, baptism in the name. What does it mean to be baptized in the name of someone? This is also in verse 19. It says, because Jesus says that this baptism is to be done in a particular way. Matthew 28, 19, namely that we are to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, the baptism Jesus is commanding here is not just a mere dip into the water, but a symbol of one's allegiance, total commitment, loyalty, belonging to, submission to,
1: submission to the
0: one true God. For that is what it means to be baptized in the name of someone. This idea of allegiance, submission, total commitment to God is also evident by the fact that, it, that this command. Comes right after Jesus declares in verse 18 that he has all authority. Jesus has all power in heaven and on earth. Because he does have all the authority, all the power. What other choice do we have but to submit to him, to be baptized in his name? Pictures are submission to Jesus. Pictures are total uh, clinging to, allegiance to him. And. this, this is a declaration that we have submitted to his authority, and we are not to be baptized in anyone else's name, but in the name of God. And notice here, what is the name that we are to be baptized? It says, in the name, singular. Now, it doesn't say in the names, plural. And this is not a typo, but this contains rich theolog- theological truth of how God is one. He has one name, but he is also three persons. In other words, there was one God, thus one name. But at the same time, there are three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God three in one, as we sang about earlier this morning. Each are fully and equally God. And in baptism, we are declaring our allegiance our dedication of our entire being, our entire life to that one name, to that one God. And lastly, I want to make sure we've seen how important baptism is. We've seen the significance, what it pictures. I want to make sure that we don't misunderstand. So I want to lay out why baptism does not save you. Baptism does not save us. The only way anyone can be saved is by God's free gift. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot do anything to make God love you more. The scriptures are clear about this time and time again. We'll just look at one example today. Titus 3, 4. It makes it very clear. Titus 3, 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So verse 5 makes it clear that we are not saved by any good works. We are not saved by works done in righteousness. We are not saved by any good thing we have done. Even the good work commanded to us by our Lord Jesus to be baptized does not save us. We are saved by the grace and mercy of God. He cleanses our hearts, and baptism is a picture of that. Baptism is the picture and response to what God has done in us. Baptism does not force God's hand or bring about God's acceptance of us. We are accepted and saved because of God's grace, mercy, and love. And as I will baptize Emma in just a few minutes, the, my words, the words of any pastor, when I say I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, those are not magical words. Those, those words do not save souls from hell. The words spoken at the baptism are a declaration that they are dedicating their whole life to the one with all authority and power, God himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. So back in 2819, baptism is associated with discipleship, namely obeying and following Jesus. Thus, baptism comes after salvation. Baptism is the response after you have faith and trust in Jesus as God, Savior, and King. It is a declaration that you believe in him and his gospel. And that, I hope that is extremely clear of what we've discussed this morning. That baptism depicts our union with Jesus. Now that has some practical effects. If baptism that Jesus commanded pictures one's union with Jesus pictures their devotion, their faith, their submission to God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So if you didn't submit your life to God at or before your baptism, then you didn't get baptized in the sense Jesus commanded. You merely went into the water in front of a lot of people. Now, I'm not saying that you had to know everything about the meaning of baptism or know everything about God or the Bible for your baptism to be legitimate. What I'm saying is based on what baptism is, that our dedication and submission to God, that you have been saved, is that if you were baptized before you believed in Jesus, before you repented of your sins, before you submitted your life to Jesus, you didn't follow Jesus in obedience to his commands when you went into the waters. Instead, you performed the external action before you had the internal reality, the reality of faith in God and His gospel. Jesus wants us to respond appropriately. He wants us to believe in Him, believe in the good news of His sacrificial death for sins, and then declare that you have done so by being baptized. Now this is uh, growing up in the Bible Belt. This has been a problem for many of my friends. I have one of my best friends And I've heard other similar stories, but one of my best friends, he was baptized as a kid. But he didn't believe in Jesus at the time of his baptism. He didn't believe in Jesus as his God, Savior, and King of his life until he was about 17 years old. And as he continued to study the Bible and grow in his relationship with God, he learned about baptism and what the true meaning of baptism is, and what it's supposed to be a picture of. He recognized that his baptism as a kid was not the type of baptism Jesus commanded. And so, as a 20-something-year-old, my friend was serving as a youth minister at the time, my friend obeyed Jesus' command to be baptized as a believer, as a disciple of Jesus, someone who is united to Christ in his death and resurrection. So what I'm saying is, even if you have come to believe in Jesus, even if you submitted your life to him and have served the church for 80 years, but you have never been truly baptized as a symbol of your faith, I want to urge you to follow Jesus' command here. Being truly baptized as a follower, as a a disciple of King Jesus. Now this is a big decision. To follow Jesus, to be baptized, to uh, to obey his command. But we don't have to make it more complicated than it is. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe what what Jesus talks about, what Paul talks about, what the scriptures talk about, about how Jesus died for your sins, that he was rose again, if you believe that, respond in faith. Respond in obedience by being baptized, declaring that this is what you believe. Now, we'll have a time of response here. And if you want to follow Jesus' command and be baptized, come and talk to me down front. Share with me how you believe in Jesus, how you want to follow him in obedience. I'll pray for you. We'll praise God together for saving you and leading us to obedience. And then we'll set up a time again this week to meet up and schedule your baptism. Don't delay. Follow Jesus in obedience. Turn from your sin. Have faith in Him as your God, Savior, and King. We aren't promised tomorrow, but even if you were promised tomorrow, it's a life worth living following Jesus. Don't let today be your day you turn from sin. Turn to God receive forgiveness, and take the first step in obedience by setting up a time to get baptized. Thanks for listening. For more information, see unionchapelbaptist.org.